Jen, I am so grateful for you. I'm going to do this right here. I'm going to steal your stand up there. Man, I pray that the Lord has been treating you well. I'm excited what God is going to say to us today. Let me move this back here so I don't trip on it. I know I'll go wild this morning. So, the Lord is doing stuff behind our backs that we don't even know of. Yeah. And it's some big decisions and big things, and God's pretty, pretty big God. He's going to do a lot. And what I'm seeing today is in my prayer life that I want, that I'm going to ask the Lord and continue to ask Him today, is that I feel like sometimes what's missing today is, and I don't know how to say, I don't, I'm not very good at couching words, as y'all can tell, that's why you love me. Like I just have foot and mouth disease. Are y'all tracking me? No. No? Yes? Y'all are scared, aren't you? You, go, you have no idea where I'm going to go. That's why you're looking at me like freak. I know. I love you. All right, so I think what's missing today, to the best I understand the Holy Spirit, is we have the Word of God in Isaiah 55, 8. It says the Word does not return anybody void. How does that work? So here's how the kingdom of God works. So the Word of God goes forth. The Spirit of God is moving in the atmosphere. The, the Bible says there's a prince of the air, the little G, the little God of this age, Satan. Right? And so what he tries to do is he tries to take words and twist them. It's probably happened to you before where God is, uh, where you have said something to somebody and they've taken your words out of context. It happened to anybody? Anybody? Okay, five of you. Praise Jesus. No, I'm on. Right? Words have been taken. Like you go, I didn't mean it that way. And then people throw this on you. Well, that's the way you said it. Well, okay, uh, there's some truth to that. But my point being this is that the little God of this age, Satan, tries to take the words and twist it. So, the, the power of the Holy Spirit is working in the atmosphere here and around us. But there's also, for those that are believers and for the God that he's trying to raise people from the dead spirit within them, the Holy Spirit is working within them to connect to the Word of God outside. That's how his Word doesn't return void. There's not a place on God's green earth where the Word of God cannot and will not be heard. You say, well, John, I don't believe that because I don't believe there are missionaries right now to the Aborigines. Well, I'll say this. One, there is, uh, there, there are, excuse me, missionaries. But two, the Bible says in Psalm 19 in general revelation, there's a place because of creation where his voice, there's not one place in all creation where his voice is not heard. So the Spirit of God works, the Word of God speaks to the Spirit of God working within us, and then the Spirit of God tries to activate within us this word called faith. Y'all tracking me? And so when you have faith, when the word of God speaks to the person of God, and the person of God responds to the word of God in faith, you have power. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. There's power. Like there's power that spoke to y'all to go to Ethiopia. There's power that God spoke to you to come here. There's power because when the Word of God meets the faith of a believer, then all of a sudden there's power. And that is why I love you, and that is why you're crazy enough. That's why I love Summit, because you're just crazy enough. Y'all know who we were before we were saved. I was right there with you. We were the ones getting double turned. I'm with you. We were the ones tearing it up, right? 
we were the ones going wild, but God is working because the Word of God is speaking to the faith within us that the Spirit of God is building within us. That's why Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. That's why Christmas is so beautiful, because it is the evidence of promises fulfilled for those who will believe. Peace on earth is impossible unless the Spirit of God is within the people of God, and only the people of God can experience the peace of Never mind. Peace will not happen on this earth until Jesus fully reigns. It can only be in believers. Peace can only come. Shalom. So, we have Jesus' word, but when the word is not, when the word is not connected, his power, the Lord has shown me, is not fully displayed. I'll show you. Luke 4, uh, 36. When Jesus did some stuff, he did miracles. Luke 4.36 says this. All the people, say the word all. The people were amazed and said to each other, what is this teaching? Word. What is this teaching? Word. With authority. Here it is. It says, with authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. Because his word is on the very spirit of God, is within the word of God. And when the word of God speaks to an evil spirit that's not of God, the evil spirit has to obey the king of kings. Are y'all tracking me today or not? This is the way it works. This is how the kingdom of God works. The word of God does not return void because the word of God speaks to believers. Because the spirit of God is speaking within us. And to those that are not saved, the spirit of God is raising their dead spirit within them. The spirit is dead. They can only feel mind, emotions, and will. They can only feel kind of soulish language. That's the soul they can feel because they have nothing controlling their emotions because their spirit is not alive. Mark 6 Verse 5, when faith is not with the Word of God, Mark 6, 5. Jesus, the Bible says, that is He, could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And the reason why it's not that the Word of God was not living and active is that it was that the faith and the people did not connect to the Word of God. That is, the very words of Jesus and the Word Himself, who is Jesus. Faith is not the goal, but it is part of the kingdom of God. When it connects with the Word of God, people do miraculous and I tell you today that the reason why more people are not following Jesus with all their heart and more people are not in love with Jesus with all their heart and we don't see the miracles of God in some ways especially with demon possession and casting out and breaking down strongholds is because the people of God do not have faith in God because the word doesn't change right can I get a witness? The word doesn't change, so it's, uh, it's the faith sometimes. Now, sometimes it's God's will that he allows those things. Don't miss me on that. But there is a way that our faith is going to either, God is going to use and work within our faith to change the situation, or he'll work within our faith to endure the situation. Either way, God's going to get the glory. So what's missing today? People don't see Jesus that way. So that is why I posted on Facebook to borrow a picture from Tony Evans. Can you throw that picture up there, Alicia? 
um, the picture of the lion. I want people to see this picture. That's Jesus. See, he, you see, he, he's, we see him as this baby in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a feeding trough, right? We, we, that's what we see. But that's, he's not a baby in a manger anymore. Listen, that is why the Magi came and brought miraculous and wonderful and expensive gifts. The reason why they brought them is they didn't see a baby. They saw a king. Mm-hmm. And see, when you see Jesus as a king, when you see Revelation 1, just keep reading Revelation. Start in your quiet times. And just and you say, God, I don't understand all this figurative language sometimes. I don't understand all this metaphorical language. Listen, let me just encourage you. It, God is going to continue to speak. But if you begin to understand the grasp of what's going to happen and you understand the power of Jesus in his throne room right now, it will give you such courage that your faith will trust the word of God because you know that is your king. He's not a baby in a manger. That's what makes Christmas so powerful. That's what makes Christmas so wonderful is because Jesus is not a baby in a manger. He has already been born. He has already died. And he has already risen. And he is reigning. And he has got it. And he's got our situation. That's what it means. He's not in a baby in a manger anymore. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. If you have your Bibles, turn there uh, as part of our text that we're going to springboard into our final text. There's a couple things, but 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I want you to hear my prayer. And this is my prayer right now more than anything else. This is, the, is my prayer and my heart's cry. And I'll pray, would you pray this for me? And would you pray this, maybe the Lord lays on your heart to pray for yourself. This is what I want God to do every time that we are in corporate worship. People say to me all the time, John, what's the end goal? You know what the end goal of corporate worship is that you experience the Holy Spirit. You experience God. That is the goal. I want you to walk away from here saying, I got a word from God. I got the power of the Holy Spirit within me. God is telling me what I need to do. And my faith is encouraged to walk in it. Because when my faith trusts the word of God, then something's going to change. Either I'm going to change or the circumstances around me are going to change. But something's going to change. Because when God meets creation, something's going to die, people. As Dr. Link would say. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. When I came to you, brothers... This is my prayer. I did not come with eloquence, as y'all all know. I'm pinto beans and cornbread, right? Hello? Elevator, don't make it all the way to the top. Y'all got me? Work, work, work with me, people, today. Work with your summit, right? We're summit. I know some of y'all grew up in a church. If you said amen, you were going to burn, baby, burn, disco, inferno. I promise you that will not happen here. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing. While I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm telling you, if you're at your job and you're with your grandbabies or with your family or you're in your coaching or in your dorm room or, or you're visiting extended family, I'm telling you, if you resolve nothing to know but Jesus Christ, that is, I'm not saying theology is not important. I'm not saying discipleship is not important. I'm saying at the end of the day is to be and know and love Jesus with every fiber of our being. That is our end goal, and our end goal will glorify the Lord so much that he will give us everything else we need according to his riches and glory. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you. 
in weakness and in fear. I am afraid sometimes preaching family. One, because man, when you, when you think, about, think about where I'm at right now, I want you to think about where I'm at. When I have to preach, the Spirit of God is speaking so powerfully to me, it's scary. Because all I can see is my sins. The closer you get to the Lord, whew, the more you see, mm, I shouldn't be here, Lord. But what's beautiful is that God says, Mm-mm. if you look to yourself, you will never step forward. But if you look to me, you will walk on water. And see, that's the way the Lord works. So we just step out, not worrying about our sins because Jesus has already covered our sins. Nobody in this room, nobody is qualified. But when the King of Kings says, come, we who are unqualified, follow the one who is qualified, and we will never be disqualified. Never mind. Man, thank you, Kevin. You are amen to me today. You done got me rolling, brother. I just need a Twinkie. God, if I get a little more sugar, I might pass out. Some of y'all be like, yeah, we're going to go eat soon. Thank you, glory Jesus. I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. That's how I feel sometimes when I'm up here. Just because, listen, God, I don't, I'm saved. I'm saved. But James 3 says I have a stricter judgment. Like the discipline on my life is greater if I'm jacked up. The discipline on my life is greater. And God wants to pour that in you. He wants y'all and us to stand up. You say, but John, I'm not a preacher. Listen, the same Spirit of God that lives in Mother Teresa, that lives in Billy Graham, lives in us. And if it's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, I know can raise me from any dead situation. And I'm not saying that my cancer will be healed, or that I'm not saying that my pains will be healed. I'm not saying that my sufferings will be healed, but I tell you what I do know, that the Lion of the tribe of Judah will drive me through that suffering and through the valley of the shadow of death. I will come out with glory to the King. That I know. So either way, if the circumstances try to overtake me, they can't overtake my King. So one way or another, God's going to win. Yeah, now we wooing. God, y'all get woo. That even got me going. Mm. My message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and of what? But with a demonstration of the Spirit and of what? Where's power come from? I just explained it to you. Jesus said in Acts 1.8 when, when he prophesied to the, to the disciples, he said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power comes when the word of God touches the faith of God in me. Think about the woman who came up and touched the edge of Jesus' cloak when she was bleeding because she believed. Jesus said, I felt power go out from me. I mean, come on. This is the kingdom of God. It's not rocket science language. It's pretty easy. And that's why we're constantly saying Jesus is faithful when we are faithless. So just go ahead and ask Jesus to increase your faith. What that really means is make me trust you more, Jesus. Make me trust you more. My message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Verse 5, here's why we land it. So that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, my wisdom, which is nothing, but on God's power. And I'm telling you, in the authority of the name of Jesus, if you come across somebody who's possessed, and if you don't think people are possessed, come with me to death row at Libra. Come with me as they yell when I would preach. 
come with me as we're locked in the cage with them. No guards. And I'm telling you that the Spirit of God will work so mightily within us that there's not a demon in hell that will not shudder. As Charles Spurgeon even talked about this, somebody else said, atheism to him absolutely blew his mind. Atheism just blew his mind because atheism says there is no what? Atheism says what? Okay, but here's what's interesting. It blew Charles Spurgeon's mind. It was probably, I mean, it was a mega church pastor there in the 1800s there. And he, I mean, here's a guy, you know, uh, the London Temperament, huge. Here's my point. My point is it blew his mind because even the Word of God says, even the demons believe in, woo! If the demons believe in trumble, tremble, who is an atheist? Like it just freaked him out because why? Because we're going to rest on God's power. There's not a demon in hell that can stand against the presence of God that lives in us. That's why Jesus Christ said, and the gates of hell, come on somebody, will not prevail against my church. When y'all fly out tomorrow morning, and I will not say it publicly, but when you fly out tomorrow morning for Asia, when I take you to the airport, Lord willing, you're going to know that you've got to go in God's power because you are not far from a really tough place. Power. That's the baby that came. Because when power comes, God can do something. All right, think about this song. Uh, how many of y'all are, come on now, somebody. This is, is this pretty good or no? You getting anything? All right, so faith has got to increase today, and that's what we're going to pray for. Now listen, all right, for some of you in the room that are with me, come on, talk to me, people, disco ball. Come on, come on. Burn, baby, burn, disco inferno. Come on. You were John Travolta. Don't lie. Don't, some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. You don't even know what it is. Y'all don't even understand. Y'all think y'all are being cool now when you button your sh- unbutton your shirt down to here and let out all the hair. But you don't understand. Back in the 70s now, people, yeah, you, you see a night fever. Come on, Mr. BGs. I'm just saying somebody, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. My wife, I think my mother-in-law and my wife saw the BGs in concert. Is that correct? I think that's right. Um, I'm just saying, I told Lynette, don't tell anybody you saw that. That's not very manly. Just don't even say that, those terms. But uh, what I'm trying to say is that, is that the you know, back in the 70s, there was a group called Queen. <laughs> some of y'all got a little excited there. You know, y'all, y'all, y'all just had a flashback. We might have some deliverance up here or something for a moment now. Some of y'all went way back. Y'all were like, oh, I remember that dance in middle school. He was so cute. I just want to tell you, can I pull out that, that yearbook right now? If you saw his picture right now, you'd thank God for that unanswered prayer. Lord, please let me date him. God said no, and you're thankful right now. Because if you looked at him, you'd say, oh, no. But he's in, well, anyway, my point being this is that there was a guy. Yeah, I just about went there. Uh, there was a guy that was the lead singer, Queen. Now, Freddie Mercury. That's not his real name. He changed his name because Freddie was born in the British Isles and, and outside of India and then spent some time in India. Then, and when he was a teenager, he moved, into, uh, moved to England, right? Because, I mean, you're a big guitarist. You, you, I'm sure you love, you, 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 you love Queen. Uh, some of y'all don't even know who Queen is, but you probably know some of their songs. We are the... I mean, don't, don't get too excited about the champions, right? We are the champions. 
<laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, all we got to go is doom, doom, tsh, doom, doom, never mind. All right, so uh, Freddie Mercury, and so all of a sudden, you know, he, he writes a psalm, and he comes out of a pretty desperate place. Uh, y'all know that he died of a complication of what? AIDS. Like pneumonia hit him, died of complication of AIDS. Uh, Freddie was a, a guy had a... a Major voice. He was artistic when he was young. You can read uh, uh, some biographies about him. Uh, I, I looked at some stuff. It's pretty, pretty interesting. But the thing about Freddie Mercury is he wrote a song. He wrote a song back in 1976. He wrote a song that was uh, appeared on the album A Day at the Races, and it was in a compilation of his greatest hits. And this, this song was uh, Somebody to Love. Now, you might not know the song, but I guarantee your heart has cried that you want somebody to, come on, come on. You know you've looked at some people and went, mm, do you smell what Jesus is cooking? For a brief moment, you believed in Cupid. My point being is he wrote a song, and, and this song says stuff like this. This is part of his lyrics. He said, oh, Each morning I get up and die a little, can barely stand on my feet, take a look in the mirror and cry, Lord, what are you doing to me? This isn't the lyrics in this song. I spent all my years in believing you, but I just can't get no relief, Lord. Somebody, can anybody find me somebody to love? Can anybody find me somebody to love? And Freddie Mercury was so ripped with that idea, so torn up about that idea, that he would be calling out, and it's collision in his heart. He says, I've got no feel, which is very important for an artist. I've got no rhythm, very important for an artist. He was saying in verse, another verse, I just keep losing my beat. I'm okay. I'm all right. Notice he's trying to build himself up. I ain't going to face no defeat. I just got to get out of this prison cell One day, I'm going to be free, Lord. Oh, somebody, anybody, can somebody find me somebody to love? And he was ripped with that idea and torn up with that idea to the point that he was looking for love in all these other places to the point that you know that he died of AIDS because instead of looking to the giver, he was looking at the gifts. And so he was ripped by it. And yet the powerful way he could sing that, then you've had other people like Glee. Hmm, if you watch that, okay. So uh, some of you are like, that's my favorite show, John. Well, let's talk. All right, so I'm kidding. But then you, some of you in here, like my, my family, I, there's some of my, in my family, they like the voice. They like the voice. And so... Y'all know who Jordan Smith is, right? So did he not sing Monday night? What song did he sing? Somebody to love. All right, so he sang Freddie Mercury's song at a queen. So he sings this song. Now, Jordan Smith is the guy, when you look at him, he doesn't have a captivating stage presence. He doesn't have this. But here's what's interesting. He is a born-again believer. He, I mean, one of his songs he sang was Great is Thy Faithfulness, and it went like to the top ten in iTunes. He sang on the voice, which is him on the piano. He sang a hymn. Why? Because the Spirit of God lived within a man of God who had faith in God, so there was anointing in God. There was power. So he, he, he sings a song. 
And, and we're going we're gonna to watch it. So forgive me, some of y'all thought, this is so sacrilegious. John showed queen in worship. Queen. Heathen. Weirdo. The reason why I want you to see Jordan Smith sing this song is I want you to see this. I want you to see that a man of God took a secular song, but because he knew the one who could find him somebody to love, which is Jesus, he's singing with such power that even Adam Levine was given up and given praise. Now, Adam was not giving praise to Jesus, but let me say something. When the Spirit of God moves, somebody's going to shout. So... Can, Alicia, can you show us the song? So for some of you in this room, now don't go crazy with your flashbacks. It's all under the blood of Jesus, okay? Don't get too cray-cray. But just watch how this socially intriguing individual sings a song. <laughs> so Adam Levine hops up out of his chair 
walks up, he goes crazy, grabs the mic from Jordan Smith, drops it, and walks off. And so it's a live show, and, he, and the crowd is going absolutely crazy. They can't stop the crowd. And he finally gets them to shut up. He's like, calm down. And he finally says, we've got 10 seconds. It's live. We're going off the air. This, I don't have to say anything else. This is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Boom, and it cuts. What I'm trying to tell you is that Jordan Smith, who is a 21-year-old, who goes to Lee University, who the world would look at and say, socially, come on, I'll just say it awkward. All right, I'll go over here to people that believe me. Socially awkward. Right? He grew up in a little small town in Kentucky, somebody. Yep. If Troy still was in here, he'd be doing a lap. From Wallens Creek, Kentucky. Learned to play piano as mom and dad, music in the church. Born again, believer. That song this week took over Adele's Hello as the number one song in all of the music being bought. Because here's what's happened. The Lord who was in him knew that when he was singing that song, the world was saying, I need a girl to love me. But God knew that he was singing, I need a God who can love me. And see what happens when a person of God who's anointed by God sings to the praise of God, something happens, family. Something breaks out. So when we sing our Christmas song, when we sing praises and hymns and melodies and music in our hearts to the Lord, there's an anointing breaking forth that the power of God will do something. God took a socially awkward person and said, I choose you to make my name famous and I will put you as number one. From a small, little, nothing town in Kentucky. I want you to know something, family. When the King of Kings chooses you, it doesn't matter what you look like or what you act like or who your parents are or where you're from. When God chooses you, He will exalt and nobody can stop it. But you just don't believe and I don't believe that He'll choose us. Lord, open my heart. Open our hearts. That Freddie Mercury dies. Look at the contrast. Man of God sings a song that was written from a secular mindset and it just goes astronomical last week through the roof, touching more people than Freddie Mercury touched when he sang it. And Freddie Mercury dies of complication of age, looking for love when this man is the one singing it who found love. Or should I say love found him? In the middle of this beautiful Bible, creation and fall, Genesis 3, and the rest of the Tanakh, right, the Old Testament, the rest of the Torah, the rest of the historical books, the rest of the prophets. Talk about a Messiah that's coming from the Genesis 3.15 that says the, the seed 
and Eve will crush the head of the serpent and there's a Messiah coming and one day we who feel like we are in exile just like probably Jordan felt growing up going to Lee University in a small town there in the choir there and there's a 21 year old that nobody knew that all of a sudden God is going to use all of a sudden God is showing right now in the land of the largeness I will crush the serpent's head I will crush the serpent's head. God is removing his people from what they feel like is exile. And in the middle of the storyline, in the middle of the historical books, you see there in Kings, we're going to see there's just this brief release of all of a sudden that God said in the middle of exile, I have found you and I will release you. Come on, somebody. Second Kings chapter 25. We got to go there. Second Kings 25. Turn there in your Bibles. 2 Kings 25, it's in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. First and second what? First and second what? Kings. 2 Kings, the last chapter. At the very end, where it's bleak. Judah has been taken away. They're in Babylon. They've been in Babylon for years. Is there a God? I'm lonely. Let me put it in your world. I'm lonely. Is God going to hear me? I'm hurting. Is God going to hear me? I don't know what to do next. God, are you going to hear me? Lord, I need you to show me. I need somebody love. God, are you going to show me? In the middle of what we might think is exile, we can rejoice because the King of Kings knows exactly where we are. Come on. Verse 27. Oh, this is so beautiful. Thank you, Stephen Dempster, for bringing this to light through the Holy Spirit. On the 27th day of the 12th month of the 37th year of the exile. 37th year of exile. 37 years of brokenness and Jerusalem walls torn down and temple destroyed and the people of God living in a land that's strange to them. Come on, we live sometimes in a land that's strange to us. Strange to us. Come on, coaches, you know what I'm talking about. In coaching world where everybody cusses to get ahead and everybody's got to be prideful to get ahead. To be a Christian in that environment is very difficult because it's like living in the land of the unknown. It's like exile. But here's what happens. Look here in the, the 37th year of exile of Judah's king, Jehoiakim. In the year, evil Merodach became king of Babylon. In the year, evil Merodach became king of Babylon. He pardoned King Jehoiakim of Judah and released him from prison. Verse 28, look at this little brief commentary in the middle of the story that God is coming to redeem his people. He spoke kindly to him and set his throne over the thrones of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim changed his prison clothes. And he dined regularly in the presence of the king of Babylon for the rest of his life. He was restored to a level of kingship because just when we're in exile and we feel like all hope is gone, there is a God who sees for the rest of his life 
As for his allowance, a regular allowance was given to him by the king, a portion for each day for the rest of of his life in the middle of the story that's all the bible is is a story of redemption and he's telling us in the middle of it in exile in a place of brokenness god knows your name and now we get to see who the deliverer will be matthew chapter one matthew chapter one let's look at that passage matthew chapter one verses 19 through 21. Joseph finds out Mary's pregnant. He wants to secretly divorce her because he was a righteous man and did not want to shame her, though he had every right to. But because people of God always give the mercy of God. Come on, somebody. You didn't hear what I just said. I just gave you a little nugget. People of God always give the mercy of God. Verse 19. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he considered these things, an angel, isn't that interesting? He considered them. The Lord knows our hearts. Hmm. Before we ever act, the Lord knows our hearts. An angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, Messianic title language. In your line is a Messiah, Joseph. In your line is a Messiah. The house of David, which in Old Testament language referred to the temple of God. Let me just give you a note, people. Davidic dynasty, King David, son of God language. The son of God, the house of David was was recognized as equal to the temple of God. That's why Jesus said, if you destroy this temple in three... No, I ain't talking. Y'all didn't even know where I was going, did you? If you destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up again because he's speaking messianic house of David. Son of David is equal to the temple of God. But after you consider these things, the angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what he has conceived, excuse me, what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Yeshua, because he will save the people from their sins. Let's read that again, because Jesus, Yeshua, will save people from their sins. The deliverer is coming. The king is coming. Behold the king, the lamb of God, the lion of the tribe of Judah that we see all in Revelation right here. And he will save the people from their sins. No longer will we stay in exile away from God, but we will be be ushered into the presence of God. And now, I want to fast forward. By the way, I have a lot of more to build on. I got so much more I want to take you on this journey. But I'm going to end with this. I want you to understand this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is where we land. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 15. Through 20. And here's what I want to propose to you today.
just as I showed you the example of Jordan Smith, just as I showed you that even no matter, regardless of where you are, God has a divine plan. If you're in good times or bad times or you're hurting whatever else, there's a bigger plan. Let me just say, and you know, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it. And you know what? Uh, Coach Chowell, you know I love you and so much, but I'm going to say it. If you don't mind, please forgive me, but I'm going to say it. Four weeks ago, did I not speak a prophetic word to both of you? Mm-hmm. Remember that Samaz on the front lawn? My house? And so, the Lord is good. Hmm? Come on, somebody. Is he good? Or let me put it this way. Can he be good? I'm going to show you today how he can be good to you. I'm going to show you. I love y'all. And I'm hoping that this will give you an answer. The Lord can do anything and everything. And he showed me after that game. I struggled. I said, Lord, why didn't they win? The Lord showed me. He said, John, here's what your problem is. You think that when I tell you that they're going to win, that they're going to win in your time. But they will win in my time. And my time is always, if you're faithful over little, you're faithful over what? Come on, talk to me. This is king. I'm trying to teach you kingdom of God economy, people. I'm trying to teach you kingdom of God language. Why do you think I started preaching to eight people and three were football players? I said, come hear me or die. <laughs> True story. Why do you think God has allowed it to grow to this? Why do you think last week we had almost 800 people? Why? If I'm not faithful over little, I'm not going to be faithful over what? That's the kingdom of God. So when you say, if you're faithful over God when you're single, then you will be faithful. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. So what I'm trying to say is, is that the Lord knows your heart and that he loves you. And you're not going to go wrong. Two years, you'll win it. But the Lord might lead other places and he's good God is good family we are family and God wants to do miraculous things through us you're not in exile you were loved but here's how you tap in 2 Corinthians 1.15 I plan with confidence to come to you at first he's talking to the church at Corinth so that you could have a double benefit and go on to Macedonia with you, your help, then come to you again from Macedonia and be given a start by you on my journey to Judea. So he came to Corinth. He told him, he said, I'm coming back. I'm going to go through the GNC and then I'm going to come back. But guess what happened? He didn't come back and, and the people began to hear and began to grumble and say, is Paul fickle? Does Paul not say, is his yes really yes and his no really no? Does Paul not have a plan? Like he said he was going to come back, but he's not going to come back. So, so did he not really intend to come back when he said he was going to come back? Like what's going on here? Woo, this is good stuff. Come on, family. This is really good life. Is he vacillating? As John Piper would say, in other words, is my planning and my preaching fickle? Are they double-minded? 
Is this the way God is, Paul? Because if you're like this, Paul, is God like this? You said God called you here, but he might call you there, or he might call you back, or I don't know. Like, are you, is, is God fickle like that? Verse 17. So when I planned this, was I irresponsible? Something happened that changed the mind of Paul. As John Piper would say. And the rumors, he said, started to circulate that Paul's heart was divided. Is Paul's heart both yes and no towards the Corinthians? Verse 17, so when I planned this, was I irresponsible or what I plan? Do I plan in a purely human way so that I say yes, yes, and no, no, simultaneously? In other words, am I going to say yes? Then when I really think about it, am I going to say no? Or am I going to tell you no? And then when I think about it, am I going to say yes? Like, am I vacillating in this? And then Paul, as John Piper would say, begins to argue that Paul shows why his life is yes to the Corinthians. Now this has everything to do with Christmas. He's saying, my yes never changes because God has spoken, as John Piper would say, his final decisive yes to them in Christ. Let's keep reading. Verse 18, as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. And the reason why our message is not yes and no, verse 19, look at what it says here. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, that is, and he's going to explain, that's why you have the elongated dash there, uh, by me and Sylvanus and Timothy, did not become yes and no. On the contrary, a final yes has come in him. And who is the in him? Who is him? Jesus. The final yes is in Jesus. In other words, Paul says this. Paul says the decisive yes has happened in Jesus. God's heart is not divided in Christ. That means Christ means yes to all who will have it. And all that will have him gets all that Christ has. This is how we tap in to the power of God. Everything in Christ is the validation of yes. That is this. And that is what the Lord would have us to say here. In other words, this. When a, as Piper would say, when a sinful person meets the holy God in Christ, when he hears, what he hears is yes. God, do you love me? Yes. Will you forgive me? Yes. Will you accept me? Yes. Will you help me change? Yes. Will you give me power to serve you? Yes. Will you keep me? Yes. Will you show me your glory? Yes. Jesus is God's decisive yes to all who believe. He is the foundation of all the future promises in Christ. Christ has made all these promises. God has made all these promises through Christ to us. And when we say in Christ's name we pray, we are saying, God, Jesus is, to the, is the yes of all that you promised. Let me break it down. God, do you want me to go here or there? In the name of Jesus, I ask you. When you say in the name of Jesus, when saints, we say the name of Jesus, we have just said to God, God, you will answer.
God, I need this. You have to equip me to do this. In Jesus' name, you and I have just said, yes, God, you said you will do it because Jesus is the yes to my question. And you will answer me. This is powerful language. This is revolutionary language. In other words, this is what happens when we pray. When we pray, we tap in. We tap in to the promises of God. This is prayer language, verse 20. For every one of God's promises is yes in Him. That is Jesus. Every one of God's promises is yes in Jesus. In Him. Therefore, the amen is also spoken through Him by us for God's glory. Now, have you ever wondered why we say amen at the end of our prayers? You ever wonder why we all say, and God's people said what? Why do we say amen? Why has that become a historical church tradition? The answer is right here. Therefore, because John Piper say, because of Christ... We say amen to God in our prayers to show that God gets the glory for the future grace that we're counting on. The other, in other words, amen in, back in the Old Testament means this. It breaks down like in the New Testament, amen is the actual Greek word in the Greek Testament. But if you look at it from the Old Testament, it means I affirm, I agree. So here's what's happening. When we say, God, do you want me to go here? Do you want me to go there? Do you, what would you have me to say to my grandchildren? Do you want me to stay in this job? How can I witness? How can I love? God, in Jesus' name I ask you, when you and I say amen, we're saying yes to whatever way God answers. Oh, you didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. If you say, God, do I stay in coaching or not? In Jesus' name, amen. When you said amen, you just said Yes, I affirm that Jesus is going to give me the answer. And whatever answer he gives me, I say yes. I struggle to say amen. Because there's sometimes I don't want to say amen. Because I don't like God's answer. I don't like his answer. But this is what I know. If I trust his answer, his answer will take me through the circumstance that I need to get through so that God will get the glory. But if I don't follow his answer, I'm still going to go through the circumstance and it's going to be much worse because I'm not going to be obeying the one who can see me through it. That is why we say amen. Every time we say amen, we're saying yes. So, Robert, if you could come play over me right now, we're going to land this. We're going to land it. Jesus Christ came and has captured us and rescued us from the exile of sin, family. You don't have to be in a marriage that's broken with Jesus. You don't have to be in a relationship. You don't have to be in a job that's broken with you. I didn't say that it's always going to get better. I didn't say your spouse will stop cussing you out. I did not say that. But I will say this. That the words from the evil one will not stop the one who is in Christ. 
So if some I'm in a relationship and my boss has cussed me out, I want to tell you that my boss will leave before I leave because God will move him out uh, if he wants him to. Or God will move me out if he wants to. But as long as God wants me to stay, I say amen. And that is how you tap into the Lord's power. When you say in the name of Jesus, all the promises of God are in Christ. Every promise. And every promise that God has, because of Jesus, we get. That is why you have to know this. Got to know it. Because God will use us. And if God puts people in positions of authority, puts us in positions to have influence, only so that we can get weaker so that he might become greater. So today, here's the application. Why do we still have a time of response? Because the question is, will we say amen? So here's what the Lord would have me ask you. What do you need to pray about today? What do you need to ask God today? Family member, situation, question of direction, what do you need to ask? Lord, where do you want me to go? In Jesus' name, amen. When I say amen, I'm saying yes to his yes. Because only Jesus can rescue us from exile. Only Jesus can rescue us from our sin. And that's why the gospel is so beautiful. And that's why there's so much hope. The king has come. And he he is reigning. And he is Lord over all. And the government will be on his shoulders. He can carry a government. If he can do that, He can carry my problem. He can carry my question. Tap in right now to the kingdom of God. If you're a believer, tap in. Ask Him. Ask Him. That's what He wants. He wants people that will bow before Him and say, God, whatever, whenever, but I'm asking And I'm not just asking, I'm asking in the name who's the one who proves you will answer yes. And I'm going to go ahead on credit and say yes to whatever you say. I'm going to say yes by saying amen. Let it be. I affirm. I agree. I'm going to say yes to what you say. Because the way that you lead is better. You are Lord and you are King. And if you're in this room today and you've never been born again, I'm not talking about walking out. I'm not talking about getting baptized. I'm not talking about saying a prayer. I'm talking about this gets changed. Because when this gets changed, you don't go back. You don't lose what you once had when this is changed. That's why you can't lose your salvation. We might get carnal 
We might get crazy, but we never run out of his love. What do you want to ask the Lord today? Salvation? Jesus did it. Direction? Jesus did it. Guidance and strength? Jesus did it. You need to trust him more? Jesus did it. You need more faith? Jesus did it. You need more hope? Jesus did it. You need someone to just sit with you? Jesus did it. You need someone to love you? Jesus did it. You tired of being lonely? Jesus did it. You tired of hurting? Jesus did it. You tired of being weak? Jesus did it. You tired of being uh, broken? Jesus did it. I just want you to know there's one who can do it, and his name is Jesus. Father, we come to you today, and we believe that you're going to make it right, and you can do anything you want. So right now we call upon you. Right now we lift our, our eyes up to you, and anybody wants to come and just bow the knee and bend the knee and bring glory and honor to you, Lord, you come and do what you need to do. We love you, Lord, and we trust you in Jesus' name we say today amen over marriages over direction over healing over guidance over everything that's happened we say amen let it be we affirm your will lord and we don't walk as people blind and groping in the dark we have a a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. And we know that that is the name of Jesus Christ. And you're not going to leave us. And you're not going to forsake us. So right now, we call upon the name of Jesus. You will save. You will heal. You will restore. You will bring blessings. God, let the people of God call on the greatness of God. For the glory of God. By falling on their face in front of God. That is our prayer today. We love you and trust you. And I'm going to just say right now. I'm going to praise you on credit. Right now, I'm going to say amen because your yes is better than anything I can do. So we bring glory and honor to you and we praise and worship you and we love you and we say amen and amen and amen.